You know, summer is different. Uh, you're probably experiencing it. We're experiencing it even in, in our own personal lives. And um, one of the things that Dick wanted to talk about today was that summer pushback that you get uh, at this time of year. Yeah, Connie, thank you very much. You know, we have momentum going, and there's a tendency when the momentum is going, we, you just don't want to let the, your foot off the pedal. So when you kind of run into those situations, you know, uh, we're halfway through the year, we're halfway through the summer, things have been going well, but there's a little bit of pushback. We don't want to lose that momentum. Um, I want to remind everybody that we have a tremendous opportunity on three fronts working with Equus, and I'm going to slide this right into why this momentum and, and uh, the summer pushback is so important. The three areas, the three main reasons it's such a uh, great opportunity to be with Equus is one, we can change families' lives if a tragedy hits and change the tr total trajectory of that. Many times children get to continue going to college where otherwise they would have to drop out. Many times they get to stay in their home where without Equus they would lose their home. So that's a great part of it, but along with that is Number two, we have the chance to change our own lives by helping people and earning a, a way above average income. And number three, we're able to live a life of significance because of what we do. Now, in order to accomplish these three goals I just mentioned above, let's look at it from the standpoint of um, the opportunity we have at Equus to make it our duty to be successful. You know. We, if, if we really focus on the client and we really focus on ourselves and making it uh, our duty to be successful and then realize that then becomes our obligation and our responsibility to be respect, uh, successful, these things all fall in line with what is going to determine our success. Now, the summer, you know, we, summer's busy. Uh, we are going to experience a little bit of a pushback because people are busy living their lives during the summer. You know, they've got swim lessons, they've got summer camp, their vacations, family outings just because it's summer. First off, let's acknowledge when the customer brings that up or the client brings it up, we understand how busy their lives are. And then point out so many people, because of the busyness of the summer, mishaps happen. You know, there's accidents on the interstate, boating accidents, uh, beach uh, fatalities. And at that point in time, you know, as we bring that up, we acknowledge they're busy, but point out that most people in their situation at least want to cover those situations. You know, a mishap on the interstate or a boating accident. And we have a plan that will help them cover that. It's about a dollar a day, and it only takes about 15 or 20 minutes to get that in place. And then point out, uh, and I, what I'm talking about is an accident plan because <clears throat> there's no underwriting questions. It's just fill it out. We don't care their height and their weight. Uh, a couple carriers care about DUIs, but that doesn't happen that often. So that's not going to be a situation most of the time. And then just point out, yeah, it takes 15 to 20 minutes to cover those. I've got a 6.20 and a 7.50 open on Tuesday evening and a 4.15 and a 6.30 on Wednesday. And um, then you want to, you know, I need a little more information to see what plan best fits your needs. And really, the only thing you need at that point in time is a birth date. And uh, now, you, you know their age from the letter. 
because it, a lot of them will give you the birth date. I always verify it. But you know the age when they sent the letter back. So if they sent the letter back last week and they were 45, they're probably still 45. But if they sent the letter back and it's six weeks or six months or two years old, their age is totally different. So it's important to have the birth date. Now, if they're really agreeable, I'm going to try to get a little more information, height, weight, medications, so that I can prepare a regular mortgage protection plan. But I'm, I'm really focused, guys, on us getting in the house and getting an accident plan in place. Now, the purpose in that is to get the accident plan in place, now you've earned their confidence, their trust. It's going to be much easier to get in and put in a foreclosure protection benefit when they get back from vacation. While I'm taking the application for the uh, accident plan, I'm going to get that additional information I need so when I deliver the accident policy, I can go back and now sell them some mortgage protection coverage. Uh, David Crocker on podcast number 17 does an excellent job of explaining how he adds the accident policy to mortgage protection. Guys, we're going to do it just in reverse. On those situations, now this isn't a wholesale, let's stop selling mortgage protection. No. This is a plan that if you run into pushback, they're not going to meet you because of all the other busynesses of the summer. What we're going to do did I say 17? 97 is the, is the podcast number. Um, but we're going to do it in the reverse. We're going to try to get in there and cover the accident protection, earn their confidence when we go back and deliver the accident policy. We're then going to pivot and try to sell mortgage protection. However, if they are going to go and give you everything you need to do mortgage protection up front, by all means, that's where we're going to go. Once they return from foreclosure, uh, vacation, point out to them, say, now, John and Mary, when you get back from a vacation, we're going to put together a plan that gives you foreclosure protection, uh, that option. And, and I must point out, a lot of times when we're doing these accident plans for people, uh, they realize that there's a foreclosure protection option out there. They want to go ahead and do it before vacation. You're fishing. If they say, yeah, we'd like to do that before vacation too, if you have the information, write it then. If not, set another appointment before they go and go back. See, it's not that they're too busy to see you before vacation. That's just a convenient excuse. So if you, if you say something to them that really piques their interest about foreclosure protection, then suddenly a lot of them are going to find time to see you before they go on vacation, and you can actually go back on a second appointment. But um, pointing out, that the foreclosure protection, guys, we're going to continue hammering this and using this because no one else in the industry is. Uh, no one else other than our team is really talking about foreclosure protection. I had a, a conversation this morning with one of the other RMs, and uh, I mentioned what I was doing on this call today. He goes, oh, my gosh. He said, that's amazing. He said, we're going to try to do the same thing. And I did point out to him about foreclosure protection because that's unique. That's something different. That gives us a tremendous leg up. Now, if you have answered the health questions, if they've given you some information on the health questions when you're in there doing the accident plan, it's okay. But remember, I, I don't want us to bait and switch people. I want them to understand we're in there for 15 or 20 minutes to take care of now, when I say 15 or 20 minutes, it's always going to bleed over 
not always, but most of the time it's going to bleed over up to maybe 30 minutes, but it's not going to seem like a long time. You walk out, they're protected, they're taken care of. And, uh, and then it's just a matter then of trying to set the second appointment to go back. Um, I do want to address the, the part of this that is the uh, living a life of significance um, for our clients. And I want to do that and not make it a burden for the clients, you know, with, with what we do. See, we review the new agent applications that come in, and we've got a lot of new people on the call today, and this may seem a little out of sync or out of character, but the reason we want to review a new agent's paper applications is, one, we're trying to protect the agent to get them paid and not to get them a higher percentage of declines. See, the companies review you guys probably at the end of 90 days as a new agent. And if they have an agent that submitted, say, 40 applications in the first 90 days, and 26 of them have been withdrawn or declined, that's not a profitable situation for that company to keep that agent around. Because every time they underwrite an application, they will spend several hundred dollars doing the MIB, the time that the office staff puts in on it, the phone calls, the emails that are set up. And if 50 to 60% of the applications submitted by a particular agent are withdrawn or declined, the company would really rather not do business with that agent. So one, we're trying to protect the agent from possible determination, but more importantly, we don't want the agent losing that commission because a lot of times when somebody starts with us, you know, the difference between writing three applications that first and getting paid on three applications that first month versus seven or eight, that could be the difference in their income as to whether or not they're even going to be able to stay in the business. So we're trying to protect the agents first off. Secondly, we're trying to protect the client. Because if the agent wrote the wrong product and gets a, the client an unnecessary de a decline in their file, guys, that stays on there and the information they, they gather stays in their MIB for a very long time. See, we're not encyclopedia salesmen or vacuum salesmen. I remember Marty Beavers sold us our encyclopedia and we were thrilled to get them and I think we opened them up the first couple of three weeks. Barney didn't care if we ever sold, read those encyclopedias. All she cared about was getting a set in our house and getting paid on it. And a vacuum cleaner is the same way. Do you think a vacuum cleaner cares when they sell you a big old heavy Kirby vacuum cleaner if you ever use it? Do you think they care that it's too heavy to carry up and down the stairs so you leave it on one floor and don't have one? They don't care about that. They care about the sale. Well, that's not the way we operate here. We care about the client. And we want to make sure that we have put them into the right product that they're going to get covered with. Now, I want to bring this back home with you because this caring is a lot more important than, than we realize. Can you imagine if you went in to buy a new car and because the car salesman entered information into your loan application incorrectly and they literally ruined your credit for the next seven years, you would be livid. And every time you applied for a loan, you may not even know what, what the problem is. Well, see, that can happen when we sell somebody life insurance policy. Information goes into their MIB. For example, let me give you a classic case. If you have a client and you ask the question, have you had chest pains in the last two years, and you answer yes, 
No actual nation, answer yes. As soon as the insurance company gets that application in, they get to that yes answer, they stop. They don't ask any more questions. They immediately decline the case, and it's, there's a code that they put in the MIB that said chest pains, June 2017. It's over. That client is going to continue applying for life insurance for the next several years, be declined every time, and not have a clue as to why. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story here, because I had this happen. Client says, yes, I had chest pains. How long ago? Six months ago. I said, what happened? Well, I went to the emergency room. I'm thinking, oh, this isn't good. I said, well, what did they discover? Well, they found out that I had acid reflux. And acid reflux, for those of you that don't know, feels just like you're having a heart attack many times, that same type of chest pain. And they prescribed me the purple pill. I've had no problems since. The client, uh, now I put in there that they went to, the, went to the emergency room. I didn't put in there they had chest pain. I answered no to that question, but I did answer and put in there that they went to the emergency room six months ago because they had acid reflux and they were prescribed the purple pill, Nexium, and they've had no problem since. They've altered their diet and everything is fine. So when it shows up, in the MIB that they were at the emergency room, it doesn't have in there necessarily what they went in for. It just shows many times that they were at the emergency room. The insurance company wants to know why. So by peeling the onion back a little bit, I got that client approved. I mean, it was approved in two days. They had insurance. But if I'd have left that question a yes for chest pain, that would have been a decline. Even if I'd answered yes, chest pain, and went on to write out that they had acid reflux, most of the carriers, all they see is chest pain, and it's going to be a decline. So understand what you put in there is extremely important. Now, if that had come through our office as a paper application, and we saw that answer on there, yes to chest pain, buddy, your phone would have lit up like a Christmas tree. We would have found out what was the rest of the story. We would have gone back to the client. Well, when you had the chest pain, what happened? We would have peeled that back. We would have said, no, you can't submit this application this way. Go back, get the, well, that page is not a signature page, so you could have at that point put a new page in there, answered no to that question, written up in the notes that the client went to the emergency room six months ago for acid reflux and they're on the purple pill. And Now, what would have happened there? Well, first what would have happened is if it had been chest pain, truly chest pain, we would have found a final expense product that you could have gone back out and rewritten. So the client would have had coverage. They would not have had a decline in their file. You would have gotten paid, and they would have had some insurance. Or we would have peeled the onion back, discovered the rest of the story, had you fill out the, the page correctly, and in that situation, everybody would have won. And that's important because we didn't get a decline. You got paid. The client gets some insurance. Everybody wins in that scenario. And that's the purpose and why we're having everybody do paper apps for the first several applications because what's happening is we're seeing agents going out, figure out how to do an e-app. They send it in incorrectly, get the client declined. They don't get paid. And they've created a mess that many times we cannot un unravel. So that, we felt like that was important for everybody to understand and realize 
there is no exception. There is no, I mean, your first 10 to 15 applications, they come in as a paper app. That way we can protect the client and protect you. I did want to deal, uh, Connie, I know you've dealt with some of that. Is there anything that you feel like we should um, dig down a little bit more on? Because I, I wanted to cover talking too much here in just a moment. Okay. Um, as most of you know, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success is one of my favorite books. Uh, Marsh and I have a conversation on this just about every day that we talk about. And one of the things that as agents, you know, the reasons a lot of salespeople lose business is because they talk too much. And Frank Betcher made the comment, he said, over-talking is one of the worst of all social skills. And if you have it, your best friend won't tell you, but they will dodge you. And one of his best friends pulled him aside one day, and he made the comment to him. He said, you know, I ask you a simple question. It takes you 15 minutes to answer it, and you could have answered me in one or two sentences. And when the when the friend told him that, not long after that, he was at a high-level executive's office talking to him, and after a couple of minutes, the guy said, come to the point, never mind all the details, all I care about is the answer. I don't care about the arithmetic to get me there. And he got to thinking about some of the sales that he probably lost or friends that he had bored. And I want, want people to understand how how important this is, because Betcher made the comment, he said, I got to the point that I tried to avoid details in stories, so much so that I tried to avoid them like a rattlesnake. And if you can stop and think, and he even asked his wife, he said, when I'm talking, if I get off point and start into details, I just want you to stick your finger up in the air. So when they were in social situations, she kept him back on point. He said, he said, this is probably a problem I'm going to fight until my death. He said, but I really work at changing it. He said, when I call important people to set appointments, he said, I list the questions I want to ask them before I call. And when I call, I'll make a comment. I'm busy. I know you're busy. I have four things that I need to address with you. And he addresses those four things, so when he get, and he numbers them. When he gets to the fourth one, the other client realizes the conversation is about to end because they know Frank, and they know he has a tendency to talk. He said, that's how I kind of beat it. I encourage each of you to go back and read Chapter 23 in How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling because that's a story about the riverboat people trying to stop the railroad from building a bridge across the Mississippi River in Davenport, Iowa. And the river people had hired the best attorney on river uh, law there was in the country. And he goes on and on and on, and he gave a tremendous speech about why the river should be, they, didn't, they shouldn't build that bridge. And when, when the guy finished, everybody... I mean, the room was packed because it was a high-profile case, and everybody understood this guy just whooped the other attorney. He just ate the guy's lunch. And uh, when the attorney for the railroad got up, and I'm going to read this to you, at the close of the um, oration, a loud applause was heard across the grounds, and everybody felt sorry for the opposing lawyer. 
When the lawyer for the Rock Island Railroad rose to speak, the audience felt sorry for him. Did he talk for two hours? No. One minute. Here's what he said. First, I want to congratulate my opponent on his wonderful oration. I have never heard a finer speech. The gentleman of the jury, Judge Weed has obscured the main issue. After all, the demands of those who tra travel from east to west are no less important than those who navigate up and down the river. The only question for you to decide is whether man has more right to travel up and down the river than he has to cross the river. And Abraham Lincoln sat down, and the decision was made in his favor just a short period of time later. And my point is, learning for us to speak in terms of bullet points to make our point, you know, when we write out our presentation, we ought to figure out ways and things we can take out, details that really don't matter, that obscure the issue, like Judge Weed pointed out. I mean, Lincoln cut right to the chase and won the case because of his brevity. The guy that spoke before Abraham Lincoln at, the Getty, at Gettysburg spoke for two hours, and he wrote and congratulated Lincoln. Lincoln wrote a 20-minute speech, and it's, it's remembered all these years later, and the guy that spoke before him had a tremendous oration, but nobody remembers what he says, but they remember today what Abraham Lincoln said. So brevity is so important here. And it goes back to everything we've talked about here today. If we can learn to speak about it in terms of bullet points, you know, when we're talking to the people about setting the summer short meeting, you know, most people in your situation are concerned, you know, accident on the interstate, accident swimming, something of that nature, and they can take care of those things in about 15 to 20 minutes and it's about a dollar a day. I mean, that's about as short as it gets, and that's going to hopefully get some appointments that we wouldn't have had otherwise and eliminate some of this pushback that we have a tendency to run into over the course of the summer. Very good. Um, I hope we'll be able to put that to use so that uh, they will get less of the uh, pushback. Let's cover just a couple of things that we've um, seen in the past uh, few days, and we're going to leave it on the recording so that you can uh, benefit from it. We have um, agents um, last week with several withdrawals. Now, when an, age, when an application is in the underwriting process, it's called a withdrawal, but basically it's a cancellation, okay? The client called you to cancel. So here is our recommendation for a new and lesser experienced agent um, to handle that. So first off, um, if I were a new agent and I made uh, wrote protection on a family uh, last night, I would be certain that that family's name was in my phone with their phone number for several reasons, okay? Um, if I'm doing something where I may not have access to uh, files that would uh, give us me information on them, I don't want to answer the phone call, okay? I want to let it go to voicemail. Also, if they're calling a day or two later, the high probability that they're calling to cancel. I don't want to hear that uh, yet, okay? I want them to leave a message. 
Occasionally they won't say that in a message, but most of them will because they feel like it lets them off the hook. All right, so they call. You, you let it go to voicemail. You get the message that they want to cancel their coverage. And they maybe tell you why. Maybe they don't, okay? But as a new or inexperienced agent, you should be talking to your manager about how to handle that, okay? Um, and Dick's going to cover the, the approach with that. But one of the things that you want to do in this case is not handle it yourself. That's why you let it go to voicemail. You want to get some experience. And Dick, when you get that, it, it's kind of a dreaded call, okay? But how do you handle that? Well, first off, it doesn't happen that often. Right. So we got a lot of new agents on here. I don't want you thinking, oh, my gosh, everything I write is going to cancel. It doesn't happen that often. But, guys, I'm not competitive. I just hate to lose. So I don't want to lose any cases if it's not necessary. So the first thing that you do when you call the back, uh, call your manager, what your manager is going to do is tell you, we've created a form we call the cancellation form. And so we're going to send it to you. And when you call the client back, hey, Mary, I got your message, not a problem. Act like it's no big deal because, guys, they're expecting a fight. You're canceling. They're expecting you to be mad, be upset with them. It's no big deal. I've got a form I need to have you sign to get everything stopped. Uh, when can I stop by and do that? And then you make the appointment to go by. And uh, on that form, we have several things that they need to initial if they've got return of premium. You want them to initial the fact that they realize they're losing the return of premium. Because what's happened most of the time, an another agent has come in and they've convinced them that they have a better product or it's the same product for less money. And we all know there's no free lunch anywhere, so that's not the case. We also will, will have on there foreclosure protection. We want them to initial the fact that they realize they're giving up foreclosure protection. Well, the other guy that's replaced the comp policy is, one, probably not from Equus, and two, uh, they're probably not um, using foreclosure protection as, as, an, uh, as a safety net in there. So we're going to have them initial several of these things, and I've had people literally, when they got finished, and they had to initial all those things, and uh, they said, no, we don't want to give up those things. Well, yeah, I know, but you have to sign this because you said you want to cancel the policy. Well, yeah, but I don't want to give up those things. Well, the only way not to give them up is to keep the policy. And we literally, guys, if it's done right, we're saving close to half of those because they realize that's something they forget, you know, how, how rich this was. And, um, and a lot of times I'll point out to them, I say, now, if you decide to go somewhere else, whatever you do, don't let them stick you with a needle because whatever they find in the blood work is going to be broadcast to every life insurance company in the nation. Because that's a lot of times where your competition comes from. Somebody comes in and is offering them a preferred rate doing blood work, and they forget the fact that they're now taking the risk instead of the company. So by bringing back to surface all of these things, these benefits, these value uh, package that we have, that's a way to save, save the cases. Okay. Right. And so I think the key there is getting with your manager when you are new so that you understand how to do this. Um, another thing that we um, see that's kind of a tripping point for a lot of new agents, I, I don't know if it's just inexperience. Um, 
but we have a lot of agents not calling before they go or calling from the home. So they're doing their underwriting themselves, which is, oh my, that's, that can be a huge problem because as a new agent, you don't understand the underwriting process. So calling before you go to get an idea of what the client is going to qualify for is essential. And then, Dick, what happens when you get to the home and maybe they didn't quite tell you everything, and so that plan isn't going to work, what happens then? That's a really good question, Connie. At that point in time, especially if you're a new agent, you're still on uh, the paper apps. Go ahead and take the paper app. You know, um, and, and, and call. Yeah, um, many times we want you to call while you're uh, calling. If you're not getting a sale, is really the biggest thing. But um, it takes a paper app, and then after everything is signed on the way out the door, say, "Oh, by the way, I just want you to know if Plan A doesn't work, we have Plan B." <clears throat> that is especially an effective way if you cannot reach anybody calling from the home. Uh, sometimes you don't have a good cell service there or whatever, but um, trying to do the field underwriting yourself at that point in time is not probably a really good place to go. We're trying to make sure that we have another shot at it to go back and strategize. So when they throw something at you that's out of the ordinary, um, get all the information you can so that when you call your manager when you get home, say, well, this I found out that they're a type 2 diabetic and they didn't tell me that. And well, you need to know when they got diabetes, what they're taking for it, and all that information there. Now we can go back to the different carriers and shop it and you have an opportunity to get back in there. Now, why is it important, Connie, to take a paper application? Well, one of the main reasons to take the paper application is if you say, oh, I got to check with my manager without taking the app, the chances of getting back in the home are pretty slim. However, if you've got a void check and a signed paper application, the chances of getting back in the house are very great because they've trusted you enough to give you their banking information and they want that void check back, and you're going to get back in the house again and have a chance to rewrite it. Uh, if you're in a situation and not making a sale, please call from the home because a lot of times them hearing the exact same thing you've said but from a person who is speaking with authority and, and hearing it from a second person, we can a lot of times smoke out the real objection. And I can't tell you how many times the agents call, the people didn't want a $10,000 final expense policy on a $100,000 mortgage because that wasn't going to pay enough of the mortgage off to make a difference. But they get me on the phone and I point out to the client that, you know, they're, if something happens to them, the kids are going to sell the house anyway, so does it make sense to pay the house off? No, it doesn't. Let's protect the equity in the home. And I walk them through those steps. Two things happen. One, I've had people scream, well, yeah, it doesn't make sense to pay the house off. But two, you as an agent get to hear us close the case, so you hear the closes. Now you can learn how to do it yourself you know, down the road. So these are all reasons for calling from the home and taking the paper up while you're in the house. Very good. I think that will be helpful to everyone.